With spring just around the corner, we are pumped up and ready to have a huge spring market this year. As Melbourne goes through more and more lockdowns, homeowners are desperate to find that special place that gives them the space, the light and the fresh air that will set them up for the future of how life will be. For some, the spring market is the perfect time to be selling their home. Others couldn't think of anything worse than a rush of sticky beaks looking through their home. Today, we're going to find out what is going to be great this spring and what's going to be bad. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your host is Sue Langder. Real Estate Right is your go-to source of information to find out all you need to know about Melbourne real estate. It's your how-to library of expert knowledge to help you on your real estate journey, no matter where you are in that journey. Check out our back catalogue of must-have information to make you the expert when buying, selling, renting and investing. And while you're there, give us a review or rate us on your favourite podcast platform. Luke Piccolo, Director of Woodard's Real Estate in South Yarra, likes to do things a little differently and believes that creating incredible experiences for people and giving back through all the work you do is the secret to success in life. Luke was lucky enough to win two of the National REIA Awards for Excellence in the last two years, one for Marketer of the Year 2020 and the other this year for community service through the work of the Woodards Foundation, who support those who are experiencing homelessness, family violence and social isolation. Luke now runs Woodard South Yarra, where his team are building an incredible business, where their foundations are meaningful, bringing together innovative technologies, long-term relationships and community service into everything they do. Welcome, Luke. How are you today? Oh, good. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm really excited to be here. Oh, thanks for coming on. Now, how did you get into real estate? Yeah, it's funny. Um, my my journey was an interesting one. I'm actually a second generation real estate agent. So it seems to other people like it would be sort of a natural career path, but I actually never wanted to get into real estate. I was oh, really? thinking Yeah, I was thinking about other things. Not that I had anything against it, um, but I I was looking at things like journalism, I love writing, I was looking at um law, I was looking at all sorts of things. And then um I actually started the property course at RMIT with the idea to do something adjacent to real estate. So whether it was property development or valuations or something, something else other than um, actually getting into real estate itself. And then a job came up um, at Woodard's in Carlton and I jumped at the opportunity and I realized that I just absolutely loved it. So, I've, and that's all I've, that's all I've done the whole time. So when I was a, when I was a kid, instead of getting grounded in my house, I got sent into property management. So that was oh, really, that's, that's a big punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that, maybe that's why I had, uh, I had a bit of hesitation in getting into the industry, but no, oh, yeah. I think um, I actually, I actually think that property management is an amazing, um, an amazing career and an amazing opportunity right now, in fact. And I think yes. it's, while while people, you know, we have a laugh 
about property management and how difficult it is. Yeah. Uh, I actually think there's a different way of doing it. And I think that the, the current frameworks that we've set up for property management, which are largely built on, um, you know, processes, systems and compliance, I think we just need to break those down and, and build them back up. But so anyway, that's a bit about my real estate journey. Well, you know, and if if our listeners don't know, your dad is John Piccolo, um, who, yes, gave you that start at Woodard's Carlton. Yes. That's exactly right. And in fact, Jason Shah, who I started working with, yes. he was my mentor at um, Woodard's Carlton and he taught me he taught me a lot. So I, I, I'm very lucky. I had some um, and still do have some really great mentors, including my old man, including Jason. And now as a director at Woodard's South Yarra, all the directors at Woodard's, we just um, we just came back from our conference, actually, and you know you get to learn from just so many great people who actually do things very differently. Because um, yeah, you know Woodards, we um, we're a network of people running businesses in different areas where different things work, and we um, have a bit more autonomy to match the market that we work in. So yeah, it's great. Very lucky. Very lucky. Yes. Well, I had my start at Woodards too. Yeah, well, a fellow alumni. <laughs> I am. The Woodards University. <laughs> <laughs> I started at the Woodards Camberwell office in their advertising department uh, back in 1996, I think. Well, you might have, uh, you, you even predated my uh, my stint in getting grounded, I think. I don't, I don't think that oh. was until a bit later that I was <laughs> that <I did. laughs> That's where I I worked out. This is where I wanted to go in life and be a copywriter. I did my agents rep through them, like as an advertising professional or part of the department. They were keen that everybody knew about agents rep and and you know knowing the whole processes of all the um, the real estate journey essentially, so that we were you know experts in our field. Absolutely, and in fact, um, Woodards was and is still known i think as a as a as a brand that really values um training and people often start their careers there because they know that they they're going to get um a great start in the industry and we see a lot of people coming and going throughout our throughout our businesses of course and i think it's a fantastic thing because you know people like you go on to bigger and better things and then you know, you always remember fondly the time yeah. at Woodards uh, yeah. and uh you know the beauty of it all um is that you do see a lot of uh, names from like that era who are still in real estate, and you know they they're not short term adventures. They are definitely career uh, changing people. So yeah, or people who build on in their career through real estate who've started at Woodards, and and that's really um, the best value you can get. Um, out of real estate is through the networks that you build over a long period of time, over a whole lifetime. Like, so you would have found it in, in your job, you know, in what you do now, the yeah. benefit of all those, all those um, little connections along the way yeah. that have now become, now become your network. They, you know, that's, that's really the value. So it is, it, yeah, it's a lifelong, it's yeah. a lifelong career. Well, I've had Sophie Lyon on who's our property management expert. Um, she is now at Jealous Craig, but she started with me when I was at Woodards. Um, on the podcast and now I've had uh, uh, Tonya Davidson who's now a buyer's advocate Um, she started her journey at Woodards they're two people that have come on the podcast because they've got 
that longevity in experience and those are those are two incredibly hard acts to follow <laughs> <laughs> sorry Toby's <laughs> not just your property management expert she is the property management expert and yes. Tonya Davis is just an absolute powerhouse she does she does it uh, she does everything she does it all and in fact Tonya um, coached me when I first got into real estate as well so I know Tonya really well and we have uh, yes yeah, still have a great a great relationship both personally and professionally she's amazing yeah so you're up there with the best yeah oh wow <laughs> now that you've made it to real estate ride podcast yes you've made, you've made I don't, it the best i don't think I, I don't think i'll match it with those two or you but i'll do my best <laughs> <laughs> you'll be fine now getting on to today's topic which is the good and the bad of the spring market now traditionally we would um see a lot of stock come in for spring how much stock would normally come onto the market compared with other quarters of the year? Yeah, so when we're when we're planning for um, the calendar year, mm. we usually we usually work off about a 60-40 split between um, that last part of the year and the first the first couple of quarters. And that spring market really compresses a lot of the supply. Um, mm. And this is an interesting one. I think that. Pareto's principle is that 80% of the results or consequences come from 20% of the causes. Mm-hmm. And usually the spring market isn't quite an 80-20 split. It's, okay. it's more like sort of 60% of, of the properties are sold in that market. But I think this year we're actually going to set um, numbers far higher than we have. Um, okay. And that's, that's for a number of reasons that we, can, um, that we can talk about. So, yeah, to answer your question, you know, we, we see... 60% of property sold in the last part of the year and about 40% in the first part of the year. And a lot of those in the second half of the year are compressed into those sort of couple of uh, couple of key months in spring. Yeah. So sort of September through to Christmas is really the spring market, if you like. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, we've, and we see some of those people talk about the, you know, the Super Saturdays, which are yes. the, the really big auction weekends. And it's funny because those are often caused by when public holidays land for things like, you know, mm. Melbourne Cup um, and alike. And, yes. um, and well, now so, they've got the grand final eve day as well. That sort of stuffs up, you know, the four week. Yeah, there's a there's another there's another Super Saturday. So <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a bit about you know the usual um, the usual uh, flow of things. Although um, this is a year like no other. Mm. So. Yeah, well, we don't really care too much about when a public holiday is anymore because there's online options <laughs> and and virtual bidding. So you know. Yeah, you and I, you and I are actually sitting here in a five day snap lockdown. So yes, yeah. <laughs> as we record this. <laughs> <laughs> so now, why do sellers prefer spring than any other time of year? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think about it a lot. There's, I mean humans were we're funny where it's a lot easier to follow than it is to lead and, and that's true and i think sometimes <laughs> sometimes things that have been done a certain way for a long time just keep being done that way and spring's one of those things where obviously there's um you know the weather's really nice during spring um the garden looks fantastic so you know for for houses for family homes the gardens are looking great properties present mm. better and um, and it's a really it is a really good time to sell for for, for yeah. a few of those reasons, um, and then there's also um, the chicken and egg scenario where you've got buyers thinking that there's going to be a lot of properties available in spring because sellers are selling them, and then you've got sellers who think that spring's a great time not just for the for the gardens and the presentation mm-hmm. and all the other reasons, 
but they also feel like there might be more buyers out. So it just seems like there's this group think where everyone says, oh, well, spring's the time to sell. And, yeah. um, and so we've ended up with this with the supply during that time. I mean, obviously in Australia, our, our, our summer gets pretty hot. People want to go away. There's school holidays. There's more stuff um, happening during summer where people don't want to actually be preparing their home for sale. They'd rather yeah. be down the beach. So that's, <laughs> that's the other thing. You've got sort of winter and then summer and you've got to try and cram everything in in between. Yeah, and the, the other thing is that people are sort of preparing for the new year. So if they sell in spring, they've got a 30, 60 day settlement. By the time they move, they're in the new place, they're in the new schools, the new, you know, everything's been sorted out. Whereas they're not breaking their kids up by saying, oh, you're going to have one term at this property, uh, at this school, and then you're moving to another school because, you know, we're, you know, 20 k's from the other house or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. It, and you know, that's why we actually see a lot of really good results during the lower supply summer period. Like sometimes we see some really standout results when there's not as high supply, but you've got someone that it's either, a, um, you know, they weren't quite ready for spring or they may have bought during spring and not quite sold. And there's not as not much on the market. Bought again. Yeah. 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 And we, I mean, we see some incredible results even right into the first two weeks of December. I mean, I never, I'd never recommend that an owner um, plan a strategy for a sale too far into December um, because you miss out on some of the buyers that are already heading away. But those first two weeks of December, I think, are the most underrated in terms of the yeah. um, you know, the end of the year market because especially that that first week of December, and sometimes it depends on the public holidays when you when you want to um, strategize the timeline for. But, yeah, yeah it, it's interesting. But, yeah, again, this year is like no other. So um, yeah. we're, we're going to see a really, a really interesting six months play out where we've had a compression um, it's just it's just a compression in all areas. There's a compression of supply, and mm. there's a comp- there's a compression of demand because um, we've been in a um, regardless of um, regardless of the media commentary around prices, we've seen um, a compression in the in in the supply in terms of low volumes recently. Yeah, and there's a lot of people preparing for spring, but now we've just hit another five day snap lockdown. Mm. You know maintenance and trades and um, building works and alike are going to be a little bit trickier because they're 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 compressed as well in terms of what they can do Um, and so I think this spring is going to be a little bit different and I think it's going to be one of the high supply periods and it's going to be a little bit later than usual because Mm. people won't um, have had the time to be able to get ready like they may have otherwise. Yeah definitely. With Melbourne's June quarter it was actually negative 0.7% 0.7% less in supply than we had for last year's June quarter. That's exactly right. And it's a bit of a it's a bit of a surprise really because when the when the media is talking about the property market so much mm. and people people are really engaged in it at the moment, um, it's one of the things that often gets missed is that supply discussion because people talk a lot about prices, yeah. obviously, because that's the that's the exciting stuff. You know, prices have increased eleven point seven percent you know, this year in Melbourne um, and in regional Victoria, they've increased 19%, which is just eye-watering yeah. uh, in terms of growth. And so they're the, they're the really fun stories, whereas people don't talk about the fact that that's largely driven by two things. One, a lack of supply, so buyers have less opportunities. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other one is actually that, you know, interest rates are incredibly low and, to be frank, it's driven by debt, which, mm. um, you know, isn't, isn't sustainable forever. So given that, eye-watering price growth given the low supply um 
something something's got to give. It's just not sustainable to have a, a property ma- market that's um, increasing at such a rate during a global pandemic. Doesn't, <laughs> something doesn't feel right yeah, soon. Yeah, something's so, going to shake. The waters are going to shake soon, and yeah, yes. and I, I don't. Think I don't think it's a bubble ready to no. burst or anything, but I think I think things will level off as we see the dam break in terms of supply in spring and into summer, and um, and it is a little bit volatile and unpredictable. Yeah. So I think that um, when people are looking at selling, whether it's in the next six months or twelve months, you really need to get tailored advice based on your situation because the market is highly highly segmented. So if you've got a if you've got a four bedroom family home, for example. Um, it's an entirely different discussion to if you've got a one-bedroom apartment oh, in the city, and we've even seen um, we've even seen a, um, more of a split recently in terms of the segments in the market. So, for instance, you know houses have increased in value between seven and fourteen percent, depending on which how many bedrooms and the size yes. of them. So, between seven and fourteen percent for houses, and it's only between three and six percent for units. Yeah. So. You can't sort of paint um, the market with one brush. Yes. But the reality is if you sell and buy in the same market, you should, like it evens itself out a little bit, yeah? Um, That's that's a common trope and it's true, but you need to be selling and buying in the same market, genuinely in the same market. So, for instance, if you're... If you're selling a, uh, a two-bedroom California bungalow, which I'm sitting in yeah. here in, uh, in in Melbourne, yeah. and um, and I wanted to buy a family home in in Kyneton, yeah. well, they're, they're two different yeah. markets, so it's not really yeah. it's not really the same. But yeah, if you're moving locally, you're right. Yeah. You so can, if you've got, you can, if you're going uh, from yeah. a one-bedroom apartment in South Yarra to a to, say a, I'm just thinking you don't really get two-bedroom units in South Yarra, but you say. I don't know. A oh yeah, we, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the little villa, you know. But we get people upgrading to like a two bedroom Art Deco yeah, apartment, which would be bigger with a courtyard or something. You know, that, um, yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. It might yeah. be a struggle to sell your one bedroom apartment because guess what? You're doing what everybody else is doing, wanting to get that second bedroom, get that courtyard or that garage or something, and oh, yeah, absolutely. and that's where you're going to struggle. Yeah. Mm. And that, and that two-bedroom market, for example, especially the period apartments oh. like that, that's one of the highest demand markets in South Yarra at oh, the moment. Okay. We've got investors investors returning into the market who are looking for um, well-balanced investments like that. We've got um, a number of downsizers that are coming out of larger family homes that are moving into um, areas like that and want a quality larger apartment. Mm. And then you've got young couples, um, you know, that are able to borrow money at, sometimes under two percent to be able to you know fund the purchase and so you've got all this it's just converging on that one market so that's actually a hard upgrade i know it is a hard upgrade (laughs) so you know there's too many people competing with it you know that that market Yeah. yeah now if you're not ready to sell quite yet but are looking to sell in the new year how should you take advantage of the spring market to choose an agent a very difficult thing to do choosing an agent but I think that um, one of the things that people should do if, they, if they're taking on the selling projects um, with that frame of mind in terms of using a longer period of time to do really, really um, consistent research yeah. about agents in the area is um, getting out there on a Saturday and seeing as many auctions and popping through as many open for inspections as they can because I think sometimes people have one good interaction with an agent mm. and they make a decision that 
um, that they're a good agent. But I think um, seeing someone consistently producing results and actually consistently doing the right thing by people, in my opinion, is more important. Yeah. Um, I think is something that's underrated. So if you go through um, uh, if you go through three open for inspections on a Saturday of different agents, um, you'll get an impression. But if you can get out there every second Saturday or every few Saturdays and um, and actually um, see consistent results from agents, I think that's a really good way to go. About yeah. It. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Um, yeah. Cause sometimes every, every person is a person, a human, and you know, you have good days and bad days. So, you oh, know, absolutely. and you want to see someone that's a, it's a bit like, um, you know, it's all well and good for there to be nice people out there. There's plenty of nice people in real hmm. estate, but um if you were going to get knee surgery, you don't really care whether they've had a bad day or not. You just want them to be able to do the surgery. Yes. And it's the same in it's the same in real estate. You want people that have a certain equanimity about them so that regardless of what's happening in their lives, mm-hmm. they can get you the right result at the right time for your house. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, you want. that's the most important thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's actually <laughs> Yeah. Well the other yeah, well, it's not about me, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, the vendor. That's right. <laughs> It's certainly not about the agent. Yeah. Um, but the, the other important thing is, um, I think, to focus on the agent, the person rather than the brand. Yeah. Because when people, when people are buying a property, they don't care who they're buying it off yeah. um, in terms of the brand. But the person that's representing um, the vendor in that transaction can have a huge impact on whether they buy a property or not. because. People make big decisions um, from an emotional place. It's not a, it's not an intellectual um, or an analytical decision as much as we try and convince ourselves that it is. Um, people make a decision based on emotion and then we actually, um, we actually intellectualise after the fact. So we say, oh, I bought this house because it had this, this, this and that and the price was great. But really, it's the feeling when we walked through. It's the, it's the whole human experience that actually... Um, triggers us to make big decisions like that. And so the wrong agent um, can can cost a vendor money by having poor interactions with buyers mm-hmm. uh, and the right, the right agent equally can have a huge impact on people's lives by just treating people well, following up the right way and doing the right thing by people every yeah. step. I've heard it plenty of times. You know, it, it's, it's the energy, isn't it? Agent has the right energy. The house has the right energy. Oh, yeah, win-win. I think I'll, you know, put an offer in for this one. Yeah, and you know what? You know what's funny? I show buyers through properties all the time, and they come out the front and they can't even remember how many bedrooms it had because it's such a, you know, it's such a short period of time, and you sort of walk around and you get out the front, and it's really hard to remember what you saw. But people don't remember necessarily all the detail, but they remember how they felt. Yes. They remember how. You know, and that that feeling is the combination of all the little details that they saw al- along the way. So, um, and smell along the way, and you know, it's, <laughs> and all that, all that sort of stuff. So, 
Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's actually proven by research. Like um, Daniel Kahneman, who won the Nobel Prize in economics, he wrote the book, famous book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, and it's about the two speeds of the brain. And I mean, that that was the seminal book on this topic, which is that we do make decisions first based on emotion and then intellectualize them later. So, I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm a big fan if I'm selling a property on finding someone that treats people the right way because that's the only way you're going to get them emotionally engaged. That's the only way you're going to get them. Yeah, money. definitely. So we're going to have a short break and come back with more from Luke Piccolo from Woodards in South Yarra, where we will weigh up the pros and cons of buying and selling in a spring market. You're listening to Real Estate Right, and we are talking to the director of Woodards South Yarra, Luke Piccolo, about the good and the bad of the spring market. So, Luke, tell us some good and bad aspects of the spring market for sellers. So the really big thing um, for sellers is, and it all comes back to supply and yeah. demand. So um, the the great thing about spring for sellers is obviously all the things we've already spoken about in terms of, you know, the weather, the garden looking fantastic, yeah. the um, the ability to present the property in its best light has a huge impact. Yeah. And they sound, like, they sound like soft things, but they're not because we just spoke before the break about how um, people make decisions based on emotion and all those little things yeah. matter. So, yeah. <laughs> so that is a really, that's, that's one of the best things about selling in spring and the underlying demand during spring is relatively good as well. So there's people out and about, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot happening. And uh, you know, when, when you've got a high volume of people out and about and just more, um, more happening, you tend to find that you might, for instance, get a situation where someone who wasn't actually, interested in buying a property at all is triggered by um, a specific property that they absolutely love so there is there is some great things about selling in spring I think the um, the downside to selling the obvious downside to selling in spring is the is the supply there's just there's just more properties on the market and buyers have more choice Mm. so if you've got if you've got a uh, for instance where I started my career um, back in 2012 in Carlton, if you've got a, a two-bedroom single-fronted terrace, a nice little Victorian yeah. there, um, if, if there's only two on the market, well, you've got a far better chance of getting multiple buyers than when there's five or six on the market. And yeah. so, you know, that, that, that supply during spring can work against people sometimes. Yes, definitely. Now, super sad days, are they a good thing or a bad thing for sellers? Because, you know, if you've got... Well, Super Saturdays are now looking at sort of 2,000-ish properties auctioning on that day, you know, around Melbourne, um, rather than we're sort of at that 800-ish most weekends, aren't we now? Um, yeah, normal times, that's right. We're sort of in that seven to 900 for the, for, for the regular spring weekends. And then, yeah, you can see some ridiculously high numbers of auctions <laughs> during those Super Saturdays. Yeah. I, I mean, I think... I think it's pretty obvious if you if you're a seller, you want to try and avoid those super Saturdays if yeah. you can. And it's because of that supply discussion. I think that um, while we like to think that our property will be different to every other property, um, the reality is that buyers also have a real a real problem. And so this is some buyers in particular, um, and some people find it really difficult to make big decisions when they're under pressure. And that's fair enough. These are these are huge decisions. And so if you've got 
three auctions on a on a Saturday at 11 a.m. and you like two out of the three and the agent's telling you, oh, well, you can send your brother over to yeah. that one and you can attend this one or send your old man over to that. You know, it, it feels, it's putting people under and pressure. And they might just decide, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can buy both. Interest rates are cheap and all that. Oops. Um, can't afford both. <laughs> So I think when you when you're speaking to your agent about um, the right strategy and the tailored strategy for for the timing of your sale, mm. uh, you you really need to hear about um, all the benefits and the reasons why they've chosen that timeline. Yeah, yeah generally the, the eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, one o'clock are the prime times for auctions on Super Saturday, so they're going to sell their yeah. their best quality properties then. So if you're looking for those A-grade properties, they're all going to be on at the same time and you're going to be competing with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so many so many more properties um, are available on these weekends. It just doesn't um, – and there's no, there's no obvious upside. No. The reason that we end up with these Super Saturdays is, is actually because there's a compression – um, due to public holidays and other key dates, so whether it's the you know the grand final weekend or whether it's the Melbourne Cup weekend, yeah. these these um, create issues on the calendar for agents, and they need to compress their campaigns either before or after. Yeah. And there's a bit of a perverse incentive where, of course, the agents want things to happen as quickly as possible. Um, they also have a lot of campaigns that they're running themselves, and so they want to be able to um, lead owners in a direction that may benefit them as opposed to picking the right date and time for, for their sale. Yeah. So I'd recommend that when you're speaking to an agent, you ask them why they've picked this timeline, mm. how many properties they think will be available on that day. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you know that it's before a public holiday or you're avoiding public holidays, how the agent's going to deal with that. There's, there's plenty of ways you can deal with yeah. it, but just get them to justify their recommendation. Yeah, definitely. Now, I think I told you a, uh, a story within the break um, about my little episode on a super sad day where uh, I had chose, well, I just happened to have sold my three-bedroom 70s unit in Sandringham uh, on the last Saturday of November. It was a year that the market was flooded with properties and my auction was flooded with over 50 mils of rain on the day, putting a dampener on price. Oh, it was flooding. <laughs> It was flooding supply and actual rain. And rain. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, So, and it was also one of those times when the market was starting to make that downturn. So, unfortunately, there was a lot of supply and not enough buyers. So, it wasn't going to be similar to this year at all. But, um, yeah, so, but in saying that there was three three-bedroom units on the market at the same, on the same day. And I was lucky enough to get the highest dollar amount on the day. So one sold for six twenty five, one sold for six fifty, and mine sold for six seventy five. So nice to be nice to be the gold medal winner yeah. in that, that situation. In that situation. <laughs> but you know, you don't know that at the time when you accept the offer. You know, you just no. you don't know where no. you're at. But you know, you're happy that your agent's done the right thing by you and done what we can. And, you know, it was also a um, a divorce settlement. So um, showing that to the ex-husband to prove that I got the best price, that it was what the market was offering at the time. Oh, well, that's exactly yeah. right. And, um, and that's the other thing. Regardless of when you sell, 
you can only make the best decision you have with the information in front of you. So you can plan till the cows come home. You can get the calendar out and, you know, it looks like a beautiful mind where you've just sketched out things on the, on the window, yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to, try, trying to sketch out the perfect plan. But um, especially now the, the world's an uncertain and volatile place. So you just need to make the best decision based on the information we have in front of us now. Mm. And that information is we've had an incredibly low supply throughout the year. There's a lot of people that already look at preparing for spring and the dam will need to break to some extent. And the market prices have been incredibly high. So at some, st- at some stage, that's going to level off. So if I was thinking about selling, I'd be thinking, well, if the market's going to level off at some stage, I, I may not be able to pick the peak, but between now and the end of the year might be a better time than early next year. Yeah. If I'm thinking about um, selling and buying in the same market, I may think about selling first because the prices might be slightly higher than the, the next year. But these are all just um, comments on the information we have in front of us right now. And you need to just constantly reassess as you go to make sure that you get the right result. Yeah. And try to avoid those super sad days as a seller. If you can, yeah. if you can, that's right. And I think the other thing that I'd mention um, is that just on a, from a practical perspective, my experience is that people often um, find it harder to get ready than they think. Yes. It takes longer than you think. Yeah. So people, people start planning and they say, oh, yeah, that's all right. I'll just get out in the garden on a weekend and knock it over. Yeah. Um, they forget how much is actually involved. Yeah. And a lot of people also try and save money by taking on a lot of stuff themselves around the house, which is, um, which is a good way to go if there's minor maintenance items and you've got mm. the, the skills and the tools to be able to do it. But I'd recommend that people set a time frame. If you can use the agent's trades, that's often um, a good way to go because they can put them under time. They, they can put them under a timeline and under pressure because they're doing work for and them they all know, the time. And they know that time pressure of a real estate agent. But if you get your friend, you know, Joe the plumber, who's been here for yeah. the last, you know, three years or, you know, whatever, he understand yeah. the pressure. I, you know, he'll be like, I'll get round to it when I when I've got a spare couple of hours or something and you don't. Yeah, that's right. And there's, you know, there's marketing um, marketing deadlines and especially during spring, there's only so many appointments that a photographer can do during the day. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, those those delays actually push more people towards things like Super Saturdays because they miss the, the sort of previous couple of weeks and then, you know, then they have to book before the cup weekend. Otherwise, it's going to be another yeah. delay. So that, that, that tends to be the way things go. So get, get ready earlier than you yes. think. Yeah. Definitely. Like we like in previous podcasts, we sort of recommended, you know, it's have at least three months up your sleeve to prepare your property for sale before. It's a great advice. Yeah. Great yeah. advice. Yeah. Now, how about for buyers? What can they get excited about when it comes to the spring market and what will be their concerns? Oh, I can think of two massive benefits. Mm-hmm. One is one is that they won't have to be out in the cold at open for inspections waiting for the agent to arrive it'll be a bit, little bit warmer <laughs> that's, one the, yeah. that's one of the key benefits it's cold out there at the, the moment and, I, mean, <laughs> yeah. um, I think people are frustrated at the moment buyers are frustrated and it's fair enough there's there's not a lot of quality properties on the market and the ones that the ones that are good are being competed for um you know to a degree that make them unaffordable mm. in some in some instances so People are missing out on a lot of properties. And so I think the, the main thing they can look forward to is that increase in supply, more properties on the market. Buyers um, will have more choice. I don't think they'll um, necessarily save money. I think the prices will hold yeah. um, because of the underlying demand. But I think that they'll just have more choice for the same money. So they'll still have to pay a premium for great properties, but they might just have two or three to choose from in their 
in their search criteria rather than just the one which they've had to deal with yeah. throughout the, the first half of this year. Yeah. Sounds good. Now, is there any other great advice we can give buyers and sellers um, as into the spring market? I think be nice to each other. Yeah. I think, you know, Life's tough at the moment and I think that often people can um, can go into situations where they are either defensive or they can be on the attack in some instances to try and get an advantage yeah. in the in the property market. Um, I mean, one of my mantras in life is that for someone to do something for you, um, they need they need to like you or at least think you're a, you're a decent human being. Yeah. And so if you're looking for an edge, the only way you're going to find it is by treating people with respect by doing by doing the right thing by people and just being a good human being. Yeah. So I mean, if um, if you're a buyer out there, it's it's frustrating and there's a lot of agents that don't do the right thing. But um, I think if you go about the process in a way that makes the agent's job easier as well, I mean that can be just as good a strategy as, as trying to make their life difficult. So um, I think that um, from from a selling perspective and a buying perspective over the next six to 12 months, there's going to be a lot of volatility. So I think the other thing that I'd just reiterate is that you need to find someone that you trust that can give you a really tailored um, plan Mm -hmm. and really tailored advice based on your individual situation, as opposed to just sort of following the herd, like we spoke about earlier. Yeah. I think that's really wise advice because yeah. An agent will want to sell a house to you if you're being nice to them. Oh, absolutely. And I said it to my friend last night because he was getting a bit fed up with the agent because the agent wasn't necessarily the best um, communicator. Sometimes agents can say a lot of words without actually communicating yeah. anything. <laughs> I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've seen this, Sue, but <laughs> I, said to, um, I said to him last night, he actually had a situation where it was an auction for this Saturday and now we've gone into a five-day snap lockdown. They're actually selling it prior and they wanted to sell it last night. Yeah. So there was, there was significant, significant time pressure. So everyone's under pressure. And in those situations, um, you know, people can be at their worst. Mm. And I, I said to him, you know, the agent's under pressure. Make, make it easy for him to sell the property to you. Yeah. So be really clear with him about where your limit is, about what terms that you're suggesting and about how um, about how you're going to make the offer and when. Make his job easier. And last night he bought a property for $20,000 less than he had budgeted to purchase it for um, and he only had to pay um, $10,000 more than the next buyer um, who who had made an offer and it was we're talking in the sort of 1 to 1.2 range. Yeah. So um, he, he had a great outcome because he just sort of, you know, he, he, he asked for advice both from agents and from his family and from other people. He collected it all. He kept himself calm and then he made a decision and made the agent's job easy and made it easy for him to sell it to him and he's bought a great property awesome. and, you know, he's excited. He's probably a bit hungover now, actually. Oh, yeah. He might have celebrated. Sure he would. <laughs> so thanks so much, Luke, for coming on to Real Estate Right today. Now, how can listeners get in touch with you if they are looking to sell, buy or rent through Woodards and South Yarra? 
Yeah, so um, Woodard South Yarra, we're just at woodards.com.au. Go through our website and make an inquiry there. Yes. Um, any, of the, any of the usual social media platforms or um, if they wanted to email me, it's just my full name, Luke Piccolo at woodards.com.au. Beautiful. Thanks again, Luke. It's a pleasure having you on and we will also have your details in our show notes for this episode Yeah, and also in our social medias as well. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Yeah, looking forward to talking to some nice people. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Um, now, next week, we have our next town taster on Yarraville, plus the gorgeous Kiani Mills from KLM Conveyancing to talk to us about the process of getting your Section 32 organised so you can take advantage of all those keen buyers out there. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production, hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music and Francis Morello for his voiceover. Real Copyright is a leading real estate copywriting service throughout Melbourne. If you would like your property copywritten by Real Copyright, please book your copy through orders at realcopyright.com.au. If you would like us to help create more valuable real estate information for the people of Melbourne in this podcast, contact Sue at realestateright.com.au Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.